ultra Tuscan orange grapefruit. My God, America is imploding. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. We finally made it. It took from January to now, but we're here. Uh, the fan zone debate finals of the tournament. Uh, I'm very excited to be here. Got a great panel to judge along today. Um, and we got two great players here in the finals. Uh, we got Kirk Kolkowski going up against Amaru Moses, the number one seed Kirk making his way uh, all the way to the end. And then Amaru, the number 14 seed making his way all the way to the finals. So it really is pretty crazy. 14 out of 16 and the one seed. It's going to be uh, pretty nuts. I'm excited. Uh, and on the panel today with me, we have Mr. Cody Newberry, who's been here for pretty much all of these. Uh, how you doing, Cody? Yeah, I've been here for most. Um, Amaro 14 seed was kind of a joke. I think Amaro played Nick and I like didn't get scheduled again, or he might have played somebody yeah. else before that, but uh, Nick was like, almost in the finals as well. So like that was really close. So Amaro, I knew was going to have a shot. Kirk, you know, becoming one of my good friends in this community, we're, we're, we're pals now, the king of personality over there. He's just been running through people, just blitzing through some people like bar. I still think that was one of the, the match that I want to see replayed because I don't believe it was thought out strongly on someone's end. But um, yeah, I think this match is going to be loud. I think this match is going to have a lot of facts. Uh, I think they both picked two areas that they're super strong in, which is what I wanted. And I think we're set up for two great matches. So with whoever wins this in the finals, that's going to be the best debate we've had. So this should be, this should live up to all the hype. Absolutely. And Brian is also here to judge. Brian, welcome back to the judging seat. How are you feeling about the match tonight? Um, I'm feeling good. I mean, it's been a while since I've been here judging. Happy here watching. Of course, these are two guys that uh, one of them still in club dread, one of them former club dread uh, before he abandoned us all. Um, but, you know, I'm actually, I'm actually glad they're play, playing each other because if they were playing anybody else, they might have asked for help in the in our in our faction chat because uh, Rue's still in there once in a while. We help him out with his stuff, but uh, so they're playing each other. So I didn't help anybody. So here I am to judge them. Yes, uh, and judge them you shall. Uh, let's start by bringing in the number fourteen seed, Maru. Uh, welcome, sir. Uh, Hello, you've been playing great in this tournament, uh, most recently beating Coho to earn your spot here in the finals. Um, how are you feeling about taking on Kirk? Um, I'm feeling good. I'm very excited. Uh, uh, we we debate uh, enough in the club chat, chat, so to be able to do that face-to-face-ish uh, with Kirk, who, who is very good at this, um, I'm, I'm excited to, to go back and forth with him properly. Awesome. All right, well, we're going to bring in then the number one seed, Mr. Kolkowski. Uh, sir, you've made it all the way to the end here, beating uh, some great people, having some great matches to get here. How are you feeling about today's debate? Uh, I'm feeling really good. I'll second what Rue says. Um, you know, we have, I, I love Rue. Uh, I like Rue. I think we have a good relationship. I think we respect each other. At least I respect Rue. I, I think he respects me. Probably not. But uh, uh, wishful thinking. Uh, but no, yeah, we, we don't. There's a lot of stuff we don't see eye to eye on, and the conversations we have are respectful. Uh, we get along. It's fun. Um, but I'm excited to see how this goes here tonight. Like he said, eye to eye, face to face, really duking it out one on one. All right. Um, and just because I didn't say it before we pressed play, this is the order that we are going to go in tonight, gentlemen, just so you are prepared. We are going to start with uh, the horror icons question. We're going to move on to the actors and actresses, then the Romero, and then the Wizarding World to close it out, just so you guys know. Um, but the way the show works, uh, everybody, 
we gave them uh, four questions based on those four categories I just said that they drafted. Uh, they are going to debate those questions, starting with a one-minute opening for each player, followed by a five-minute free-form debate, and then with a one-minute closing to end it out. Uh, Cody, Brian, and I will then write on our handy-dandy boards and or phones or something, or paper, whatever you got. Um, we'll write our who we think won the question, debated it the best. And uh, whoever can get three points first is the winner. So um, let's get started right away uh, with the best fight on the face of human earth. That's great. That movie's perfect. Um, okay, so <laughs> we are going to get started, like I said, with the category of horror icons. Uh, this was drafted by Mr. Kolkowski, so he's going to get to go first. The question is, what is the best kill in a Friday the 13th movie? Uh, so, Kirk, because you drafted this, you are going to get to go first. You have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. I understand what Rue did with his pick on here. When they asked this question, he just Googled best Jason Voorhees kills and picked one of the first ones that uh, popped up. And that's cool because I did the same thing at first. Um, but what I noticed about those kills is they're all kind of samey. They're all gimmicky. Um, it's hard to distinguish one from another. I went with one uh, that has a lot more personality, has a lot more to do with the story, is a lot more unique. I picked the double kill at the rave. Uh, from Freddy versus Jason. If you remember, this is the uh, kill uh, that Freddy actually steals from Jason. Jason's about, actually about to uh, kill a person in their sleep. Uh, Freddy, uh, Jason kills her in real life. Uh, very classic Voorhees kill. And uh, that propels the story of this movie. Um, it involves, like I said, it's, it's story building. It's character building with Freddy versus Jason. This is the kill that uh, encourages Freddy to go on and realize he has to take Jason out. Um, so it's very unique in the, the, the mythos of Freddy versus Jason, instead of just being a one shot kill, uh, just kind of like a funny little gag. It actually, uh, precedes the story, builds character, and is just a really fun movie moment. Time. All right. Rue, you now have one minute to open your argument when you start talking. When it comes to Jason, Jason is the king of slashers. He has the most kills by far. So when you're looking for the best kill in a, a Friday the 13th, you're looking for one that actually stands out amongst 150 plus kills. And the one that stands out just across the board is the liquid nitrogen chill in, kill in Jason X. It's brutal. It's unique. It's a mixture of the classic tropes and uh, inventiveness on, on Jason's part. Um, it starts off with him lying down and you see the twitching hand. So that is to scare audiences. And then it transitions into him flexing his hand and the Undertaker rise with the music cue that moves the audience from, from scaring them to us knowing what the character don't and it gets us into you better get the fuck out of here you don't know what's about to happen that classical horror thing you want to go through um but what really really makes it the best is the silent brutality that jason shows that that just enhances everything about Voorhees and why he is the ultimate king of slashers time all right Five minutes when one of you starts talking. Don't talk over each other. Or I'll come in and hit you. And then, uh, yeah, I'll give you a one-minute warning as well. All right. 
Rui, I just want to bring up some other things. Um, the sleeping bag kill from New Blood, the fold in half kill from Freddy versus Jason, the split in half tent kill from Goes to Hell, the uppercut kill from Takes Manhattan, the he the head squeeze or the or the handstand kill from Part Three. These are all in the same vein as your kill. I don't know how you separated this because they're all gimmicky. They're all sight gags. They really don't do anything. Um, you said this one stands out. This kill doesn't even stand out in its own scene. If you watch this scene, it happens very quickly. He kills the woman. It's not even the climatic scene. It's not even the climatic kill in the scene. The climatic kill is with this. This scene is about him getting his new machete and making a kill with that. That's the big moment. The movie glosses over this kill. It barely has any effect on anything. The thing with Jason, though, is we've seen him do everything with the machete, with with the liquid nitrogen cell kill. It's it's one that stands out because it's something you haven't seen out of all of the other ones he's done. Um, there, there's uh, the, the fact that he has to be able to use his surroundings. This is the one that is the most unique. Um, but even before then, the, the way that he grabs hold of her, the way that he's handling her before that kill happens, it enhances everything we know about Jason. Um, it's, it's how he slams her into the nitrogen. It's, it's where, where the meat of it happens is that kill, a kill that was so unique and, and stood out amongst all the ones that you say look similar, that even the Mythbusters had to go in and say, wait a second, this is the one that we love. This is the one that is most eye-popping. This is the one we want to check out. And out of all the ones that he's ever done, this is the one that people go to and say, oh yeah, uh, he's used his body before. Oh yeah, he's used his machete before. Oh yeah, he's, he's done this. But the liquid nitrogen one is the one I have never seen before. The, the Mythbusters are just a bunch of science nerds. They want to play nitroglycerin. That's the only reason they use that. Um, the other thing I'm going to say about yours is the special... First of all, you say this is scary. None of this movie is scary. This movie is a joke. Um, doesn't really advance anything about Jason. Everybody knows this is the, this is the goofy, stupid one. Um, the special effects in your scene are kind of trash and take away from it. When they pull that head out, it doesn't even look like a human head. It's obviously a dummy head. It barely looks like a dummy head with just like uh, something like... Uh, fiberglass or something all over it and that really takes away from it as well it doesn't look like he's actually doing anything to a person my kill is very up close very personal um he, he kills two people let me talk about my scene for uh one second it's a person it's a, a girl who's unconscious about to be sexually assaulted he kills the attacker and the victim at the same time so it's conflicted feelings makes you feel something unlike a lot of these kills um and then you have the, the dichotomy freddie versus jason uh, Freddie trying to make the kill, Jason makes the kill, bringing both characters together, the most unique, probably the most unique scene and scenario and kill in the entire franchise. When it comes to your kill, I, when I was looking at it, I was looking at it like, wait a second, are, are we talking about that one or are we talking about uh, something that happened at a different time in a rave? I couldn't tell which one you were talking about. When it comes to mine, it looks exactly like how it looks Whenever you put liquid nitrogen in any movie, it holds up with any type of, of um, visual effects in any other movie. And when it gets to movies like Jason X, Freddy versus Jason, you get to the point where, yes, a lot of it is there for the, the campiness of it. But this one harkens back to the old days, harkens back to everything that you love about these type of horror movies. Um, and uh, so what if they're science nerds? These science nerds pick the best of the best to test. And out of all the kills that we've seen over the years and years of Jason, this is the one that they wanted to pick because this is the one that stands out. This is the one that everybody is like, oh, that was cool as shit. And it brings me back to why Jason is the best out of them all. 
you you bring up how liquid nitrogen is always in the movies. That's another thing about this. Liquid nitrogen has been done before so many times. It's been done Terminator. It's been done in Time Cop. This is not an original kill. It's just you know it's it might look neat that it's Jason smashing somebody's face, but we've seen people smashed up. We've seen body parts broken up in scene before in movie scenes before. Um, my kill is completely original, new, new, unique. Like I said, um, it advances the story. This is the moment where uh, up to this point, Freddie has been manipulating Jason, using Jason for his own purposes. At this moment, he still he we see the kill from Freddie's perspective. We see it's it's two killers coming at the same time in two different locations, and Freddie loses that kill, and now he's got to kill Jason. This this is motivation for Freddie. This is uh, this is uh, character building for Freddie and the story. Uh, plus, my character actually matters in the story. Your character gets introduced and dies minutes later. My character is actually somebody who matters in the story. We got 10 seconds. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to wait in here and just, and just let this play out. <laughs> All right. Time. All right. Uh, Rue, you now have one minute to close your argument when you start talking. When it comes to Kirk's kill, it was really difficult for me to be like, which one are you talking about? Because there's plenty of times where Freddie and Jason are going at each other throughout that film. I don't know what exactly you are talking about when it comes to the double rave one. But when it comes to my liquid and nitrogen uh, kill, it's the one that you know exactly what they're talking about the second you say it. Um, because it is absolutely unique. Yes, we've seen liquid nitrogen in other films, but we've never seen a slasher use his surroundings like Jason and use it in that type of way. It's one that's so unique out of all of the 150 kills that the Mythbusters wanted to use, wanted to see how real it was. It's ex extremely brutal. It, it harkens back to what we loved in old horror ones and the campiness of the older, of the newer Jason films. Um, it's it's brutal, the way he carries her, the way he bangs her head, the way that it, it just shows something we haven't seen from Jason before and stands out from all your standard fare. Time. All right. We move over to Kirk for his closing one minute when you start talking. Keep looking up Mythbusters. I think that was probably just their Halloween episode. They want to do something cool, horror-themed. And they said, hey, there's nitroglycerin in this, so let's use that because that's something we do. We do nitroglycerin kind of stuff. I'm not sure if that really impacts the coolness of the kill. Uh, like I said, there's been a ton of sight gags, a ton of gimmicky kills. Uh, you know, guys getting their heads punched off, people busting half, cut in half. Uh, this is no different. This is not a you know unique kill. We've seen it in a ton of other movies. Uh, my kill is a great classic kill. From Voorhees, great double kill. I'm sorry you didn't understand that, Rue. I could explain it more if, if, if you asked. Um, but that that was it's, it's a great classic kill, story building kill. Unlike any other of these kill, which are just one done. It's haha, that person got killed. Uh, my the character uh, matters. There's weight to my death. There's no weight to his death. Uh, my kill is scarier. It's more intimidating. It's a scarier scene. It has Freddy and Jason in it. You see the kill from Freddy's perspective. Uh, this wasn't the cool. This wasn't the coolest kill. This was the bloodiest or most brutal. This was the best kill, and I think mine is the best kill for all the reasons I stated. Time. All right. Uh, bring in the judges. <laughs> <laughs> And when you guys are ready to go, we will uh, get started. I'm ready. Okay, I'll go first. Uh, I went with Kirk. Uh, I think he kind of dominated this whole thing. Um, I was 
I was on Kirk's side, and then what really cemented me home with Kirk was when he brought up the fact that his character, um, also the the person getting killed, is also a main character in the movie, and that has like a lot of weight to the story, as well as bringing a lot. There's a fly that just flew by me, uh, and it also brings a lot of weight to the uh, the story with uh, Freddy, the kill being taken from Freddy, and all that stuff. So I went with Kirk. Uh, Cody, you get to go next. Where are you going? Um, I heard a lot of things that the, this shit's been done before. Yeah, welcome to Horror Icons. Um, so my thing is, uh, basically, I think Kirk as well. Um, I think uh, Kirk did something I hate in the debate when he like lists like seventy five different things and says, "Yeah, kind of combat me now, bitch." Um, it was it was it was uphill battle for him. I think Amari made it close, but I just think Kirk uh, used his closing in the best way possible, just to submit submit his being the best. All right, Brian, your vote doesn't count, but where would you have gone? Um, my vote doesn't count, but I completely disagree. I voted for Rue. Um, I felt like, uh, you know, Rue talked about how his his kill was, you know, unique and something different from Friday the 13th he hadn't seen before, whereas you had seen impalings and machetes and things 100 times before. And then Kirk tried to talk about how, you know, his was so unique, but then he says it's a classic kill. So he kind of offset his own thing of, of saying it's something new and unique. And Kirk also started talking about, you know, how uh, Jason X is not scary, it's goofy, all these other things that are not really part of the question. We're not debating the plot or the quality of the movie. We're just talking about the kills. So, but I, I, so I went through. All right. Well, that's why we have three judges. That's how it be. Uh, okay. We're going to move on to question number two, which was drafted by Rue. It is in the uh, category of actors and actresses. And the question is, what is the best pre-2008 Moss Death movie. Uh, so, kind of clarification. Yes, way it was phrased was best movie with Moss Death in it, right? I believe so. Yeah, yeah. you're you're arguing the movie, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, Rue gets to go first. You have one minute to open when you start talking. Great thrillers put you in the shoes of the characters, and you are enthralled by their every step. No twists, no unraveling mystery. Everything is laid out in front of you and you connect with the characters and you are taking on a thrill ride as they make it. And 16 Blocks does just that, making it the best movie with most death pre-2008 because it's the most intense and engrossing thrillers of the 2000s. Starts as another day in the perfect role for Bruce Willis, a jaded old cop that's tired, escorting an eyewitness to a courthouse 16 blocks in less than two hours to testify against cricket cops. Suddenly, a hitman tries to kill the escort and Bruce, as an actor and a character, is forced to act. The story is told to you as they learn it, so you're put in this sense of normalcy until the hit goes through and the intensity snaps you into the thrill ride, creating a roller coaster of intense action scenes, followed by more calmer, character-developing dialogue that never keeps the pacing the same in order to keep you on your toes. Um, and the dynamic between the two and the theme behind the movie make you care for more, the, more for them, further their investment in making it the best pre most death film. All right, Kirk, you now have, oh, sorry, one minute when you start talking. Movie I picked was Monster's Ball. Uh, We're talking about the best movie. I think the movie is uh, just great on every aspect the acting the directing the score uh the every every, everything is uh just so well done uh you have great performances from Halle berry oscar winner in this uh billy bob thornton heath ledger uh most definitely great small role uh and 
you have you bring all these things together in a great story. It's heartbreaking. It's bittersweet. It's about family. It's a it's it's, it's universal. It's relatable uh, in the ways that you see uh, just life fold out, people suffering and try to get find uh, reaching out to p- other people uh, to escape that suffering. Uh, it's a it's a very heartfelt movie. Uh, it's a very real movie with very real characters uh, in very real situations, and um, it's just uh, beautifully done. Uh, like I said, Halle Berry is good in it. Uh, it's it's a uh, it's not an action thriller. It's a slower movie, uh, but it is a beautiful made drama and uh, definitely the best movie uh, most us been in. Time. All right, Monsters Ball versus Sixteen Blocks. Uh, I've seen both of these, so I know what you're talking about. All right, uh, five minutes when one of you starts talking. Okay, so 16 blocks, the theme of 16 blocks is that people can change whenever, uh, no matter what age. And the dynamic of most Def and uh, Bruce Willis' character makes that very strong as the jaded, guilt-ridden cop is convinced it's not too late by the stubborn, borderline stubborn optimism of most Def. Their conflicts, their collaboration, their experiences, uh, their shared friendships makes this theme believable by the end when Bruce Willis admits that he's one of the cops most Def is testifying against. Unlike Monsters Ball, which has no other reason for existing than watching literal trauma porn. It is overrated and has nothing to say, but life's a bitch and then you die. So let's watch this glorified toxicity of bad people doing bad things due to generational trauma and nothing but tragedy at the cost of innocence or sex makes it better. Not a single character in that movie shows any growth. Yes, technically it's a good movie. Yes, there are good performances. Unfortunately, black women can't uh, get Oscars unless they're in pain and they're difficult, but none of the characters show growth. There is nothing in a theme of that story that makes the people better and show any of the things that you want to say they show. it's It's not about them getting better. It's about them trying to get better. It's about, it is about, you're right, the theme of this movie is trying to get over all that ugliness your family dumps on you. It's a universal theme. It's not always racism. It could be abuse. It could be addiction. It could be anything like that. It's But it's about those things of the things that are buried in you, like Heath Ledger's character who ends up committing suicide because his, fa- his father just hates him and he has, no, he has no connection. And you see, and at first you hate Billy Bob Thornton for what he did to Heath Ledger, but then you see Peter Boyle's, another great role in this movie, Peter Boyle, uh, really uh, off character for him, but great role. Uh, you see what he did, how he raised Billy Bob Thornton. You get some insight in that. And now you can't be mad at Billy Bob Thornton. And that is a universal idea of this is just garbage that have been dumped on people. And it's not about that nobody at this movie, at the end of this movie, is supposed to have really changed or grown. They are just desperately seeking an escape from that pain that you're talking about. It's done in such a real way. It's done in such a it's done in such a fast way. I'm not going to get the politics of the Oscars or anything like that, but it's done in such a fantastic way. You say the sex makes it better. That sex scene is horrific. That sex scene is punishment for those two. That is not a, oh, we had sex and it's great. That was a miserable scene. And it's it's about them people, it's about them so desperately trying to find that connection and not being able to find it. Um if they're not trying that well, or they're not trying to get any better or trying to find that connection because they before any tragedy or after any tragedy, they continue to go into their own selfish desires. Yeah. Nobody is actually able to look at other people. The movie's about being stuck in those things. You, they want to change, but they can't. Let's talk about your movie for a minute. Your movie, it has a theme, but it's a very basic generic cop movie. I mean, you said it's a perfect role for Bruce Willis. You're right, but not in a good way. It's This is 2006 Bruce Willis completely phoning it in, playing the old, tired, stereotypical cop, very stereotypical character. 
just that, that bad blonde dye job, that bad makeup job. Most deaf doing that voice sounds like a Damon Wayne's uh, character from In Living Color. Completely obnoxious. Really hard to tolerate for how long this movie is. Let's talk about how long this movie is. Way too long. It's uh, hour 43, feels like two hours. Should have ended about 20 minutes earlier. Everything in this movie is predictable. When Frank walks in the room, the instant he walks in the room, like, oh, that's the bad guy. When he picks up that tape recorder and uh, and starts doing his last one test, like, oh, he's going to record them, and that's how he's going he's to beat them. Everything in this movie is so predictable step by step. You you you're, you said that a thriller shouldn't have twists. Thriller should definitely have twists. This movie has none. They get cornered, they shoot out, they run away. They get cornered, they shoot out, they run away. Repeat until the until the end. Until it's way too long. My movie, on the other hand, under two hours could be a two and a half hour drama. Very tight, very concise. This movie works as a thriller with no twist because they actually lay it out in front of you. They don't want to have twists. They want you to get to know the characters and the character choices are perfect because we think Bruce Willis is going to phone it in until he can't phone it in because the actual dichotomy between most deaths, that, that voice choice is yeah. there. That voice choice is there because if somebody doesn't have that voice with how much he talks, with how stubborn that he's always looking for signs, how much he's looking for the good, somebody who doesn't does that in a regular voice is going to seem like somebody who's talking down to you. But what Bruce character's old jaded character needs is somebody with optimism you believe. And that voice makes you believe in that optimism. And that optimism allows for a movie you care about and thrilled about because you're cared about the it makes, character. It, it makes me believe the dynamic. It makes me keep, keep think that most Def is put on, doing a bad acting job. And you're right. Like Bruce Willis is an amazing acting job. Bruce is a bad guy. Bruce is a terrible cop of this. He's a drunk until he doesn't have to be. When the movie needs to be super cop, he's super cop. Other than that, he's hungover drunk until he can withstand getting shot in the hand. All right, Kirk, you have uh, one minute to close when you start talking. Yeah, Bruce Willis completely phones in on this. His character is just stereotypical cop, paint by numbers. Uh, he's he's a drunk alcoholic, hungover, until he, the movie needs him to be the super cop, and he gets shot in the hand, he's fine, gets his leg banged up, he's fine, no problem. Um, it's it's a very paint by numbers. Like Mario said, there's no twist. He said it himself. It just, here's one thing, his situation, they get stuck in, they run away. It's not even a creative way of getting out of it. Uh, my movie is deep, it's heartfelt. Rue's right. There's no easy answers in my movie. His movie's very trite. They wrap it up very nicely. My movie has no easy answers. It's a very uncomfortable movie. It has a very uncomfortable ending, but it's the best story. It is very well made. It is brilliantly acted. It is wonderfully scored. It is wonderfully directed. It looks great. And it is the best movie most deficit. This movie is just, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a fantastic story about life. And it's very universal. It's a universal theme. And everybody can relate to this about family, about pain, about hardships, and trying to find fight your way out of that pain. Time. All right. We move over to Rue for his closing one minute when you start talking. You would connect to Monsters Ball's characters if they were actually trying to escape that pain through to, uh, trying to find other people. Instead, everything is about themselves. At Billy Bob Thornton's character um, decides to have that horrible sex scene the second after he finds out that uh, 
the person he executed is Holly Berry's ex-husband and he does nothing about it. The decisions he makes before tragedy and after tragedy are exactly the same. They're all about him. Holly Berry continues abuse after being abused, saying I was a good mother, but still abused the child. Nobody grows. Nobody is looking outward to find escaping other people. They're trying to cover up whatever guilt they have in themselves. When it comes to 16 blocks, yes, it's straightforward, but it's straightforward because it talks about the dynamic between the two opposite characters and because you care about the overly optimistic uh, with the great character choice of that voice and the jaded cop of Bruce Willis together, you are on every up and down of 16 blocks the whole way because the two of them together are amazing. Time. All right. <laughs> um, I don't want to be here. <laughs> Okay, uh, Brian, you get to go first because your vote didn't count last time. Uh, first of all, I just want to say R.I.P. Richard Donner, 16 bucks. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as much as I want to give Rue points for making that uh, that crack at Bruce Willis, having you literally act, uh, I, I can't give him points for that, but that was good. That was good. It was opening. Um, as far as the actual debate, I had a real hard time with this one. I haven't seen either movie since they first came out. So, so I'm going purely by, purely by the debate here. Um, I think they both had good points back and forth. Uh, I was actually surprised how close it was because 16 blocks doesn't seem like, you know, as far as you look at the best movie, like it would hold up to a, like an Oscar nominee or winner, like monsters ball. Uh, in the end, I did go with Kirk though. I thought, I just thought he did a better job of selling his as uh, uh, the, the points of his, what makes it a better movie. Okay, I'll go next. Uh, I also went with Kirk. Uh, I think that um, Kirk had a lot of all of his stuff about Monsters Ball. He was able, I think, all of Rue's attacks against Monsters Ball, Kirk was able to talk about why the movie, why those themes and those things worked in the movie and made the movie better uh, for the movie it was trying to be and the movie that 16 Blocks was trying to be isn't even good at succeeding at that. Um, I, so I thought his defense on his movie and attack on 16 blocks was very strong. So I went with Kirk. So Cody, your vote doesn't count, but where would you have gone? So I always say debate is 50% preparation, 50% bullshit. Um, and it's basically not saying that Amaro bullshitted, but he sold me that most deaf is really good in 16 blocks. And that's a fucking joke. Um, but also, also uh, I remember watching 16 blocks quite disappointed in that movie a lot. Um, I'm glad I've never reviewed that. Uh, but also I would say that Amaru, I think just bombarded the start of it, like threw some some accusations at Monsters Ball, which agree or disagree, it got Kirk to stumble back and like have to defend fast. So I would have with Amaru. I just think Amaru painted it better for me on that. I think this debate was a really close um, uh, when you break it down. But yeah. All right. So we are moving on to the third question. This is going to be uh, in the category of horror. Uh, this was something that Kirk drafted. The question is, what scene from a Romero dead movie doesn't hold up uh, the most? So um, we are going to start with Kirk. Kirk, you have one minute to open your argument when you start talking.
My pick was the pie fight scene at the end of Dawn of the Dead 1978. Uh, this scene is basically kind of just kills everything that came before in the film. Uh, this film is setting up the hopelessness of the uh, of the zombie apocalypse, the the oncoming dread, the inevitability of it, and the movie does such a great job in it. Uh, the third act starts really promising. Uh, we get a big fight scene. Uh, we get uh, a, a lot of, a lot of things going on that work really well. Uh, but right in the middle of it, people start throwing pies in zombies' faces, and um, it just completely deflates everything the movie had tried to do at that point. Um, I will get into the some of the reasons why this decision was made and why it was a bad idea. Um, but yeah, this just kills. I mean, this is a, a a mark on an otherwise like really outstanding franchise. Usually franchise uh, wa walks the line between seriousness and scary and, you know, and, uh, and, and farce very well. Uh, this one just got completely out of line and really buries the movie uh, at the end. Okay. <laughs> uh, we're going to move over to Rue for his opening. You have one minute when you start talking. Romero's Dead series is a classic commentaries on society as a whole. Our greed, our violence, our selfish desires, and the apartment raid in Dawn of the Dead honed in on those selfish desires that showed living, the living humans are inherently more dangerous than the dead. But looking back on it now, that scene doesn't hold up the most because the themes it tried to portray at first, right now, looking at it, seem hollow. Technically, first, the audio is horrible. Looking at the visuals and how they hold, you ask, why couldn't the audio? It's glaring, it's distorted mixing, loud background noises, the same background lines from extra cops and the repeated women's screams uh, take you out of it, but more so the redubbing of dialogue, especially in the case of Wooly's racist rants, where if handled properly, can be smartly placed and show selfish prejudice, but with redubbed, it's so off. It sounds as if they knew it was either too over the top or wasn't enough, and then we need to beat you over the head with it. And that's not even the biggest reason why it's the most dated scene. All right. Five minutes of free form when one of you starts talking. Talking about this from a technical aspect, I mean, all of these movies, they're independent movies. Uh, they're not perfectly uh, made. And I mean, that's an independent movie in 1978, or that's an independent movie in 19 or in, uh, you know, 2021. You're going to have those issues. Um, I don't think that really lends to a movie. In a lot of ways, that adds to the charm of these movies. People talk, you know, people talk about that, like, real do-it-yourself independent feel of it. Um, and that adds to it, if anything. I don't think that makes a, a scene not hold up. So I don't think technically, uh, technicalities like that are something that make a scene not hold up. Um, it's not really about, that's just the, the, the surface level, why it doesn't hold up. I'm bringing that up because it shows a glaring spotlight on the decisions that were made. For one, Willie is a stereotypical character, but he's not handled properly. But even more so, the, the decisions that, uh, you, the, the decisions made in the scene want to try to highlight our self-destructive nature. It wants to show that the people trying to protect the zombies and not have the cops kill them say, oh, we want to look after our loved ones to the point where we'll danger ourselves. But when we look at it they look those decisions made in that scene make those people look stupid and incompetent instead of going into their selfish desire cops let a zombie with no feet touch their feet and fall over a woman hugs her boyfriend and ends up dying instead of being like no stop let me get in front of these people and don't let them kill me uh, the cops tear down a door that have zombies 
flowing through them instead of smartly going through and making that. There's a, there's a, a line at the end where it says, why do we keep these zombies? Uh, in order to show that there's respect in dying. But what your pie scene does, it shows more respect in dying by having the glaring opposite of the living showing the most disrespect than the incompetent and stupid decisions the people in the apartment raid use. The bad decisions made in that opening scene is a microcosm for what's going on in the world. That's what's so brilliant about it. They show you what's happening in the entire world in one little TV station, one little apartment building. Those bad decisions, people are panicking. They don't know what happened. We, we know zombies have been around for 50 years. We know what's happening. They don't know that people rising from the dead. You see somebody you love that was hurt. You don't know they're dead. That's, that's, that's a decision people are going to make. People are going to make bad decisions. That's the whole point to this. That's, that's the point is how do we be that, that from here on that's kind of the arc of these characters is how do we survive how do we be smart um those bad decisions and those people being kept alive i mean that's that's all through zombie mythos is those people who hold on to that hope of maybe we can save them maybe there's there, there's hope here um so that's that's that, that's not outdated they did that in walking dead that's something that continues to go through through the mythos uh the other thing i will say about this i think this, this scene is very precedent uh in what's happening in the world today um i don't want to get too political about it but um in, in the zombie, Romero zombies, the zombies always represent the other. The, the zombies represent the, uh, the the people that we want to sweep under the rug, we don't want to see, and the fact that you can't get rid of them. You know, we see in this movie, you know, minorities being victimized by police and being wiped out, but then the zombies come back. Those zombies are the chickens coming home to roost. And I think that's very precedent, very, uh, uh, very timely for, for what's going on in the world today. Uh, you you said that the characters don't know that they're dead, but they're holding them in the buildings and stopping cops from killing them. They know they're dead, and they're they're not. They know making, the cops want to kill them. They, they know the cops want to kill them. The, the, but there's a whole building at the bottom. There's a whole uh, a holding room of zombies at the bottom, and they ask, "Why are they keeping their dead?" So they know that. But you mentioned at the beginning, um, it kills all of uh, the hopelessness because the pie scene is too over the top. But it actually works because everything is going is becoming hopeless because of the living. It is the living that making everything hopeless. And yes, the zombies are the other. In your pie scene, the zombies are the ones who are only are lifeless. They're the ones who are only looking for their needs. It's it's the living that are the menace. It's the living who are making it so hopeless because they are ones that are are What's being that? selfish. They're being bullies. They're disrespecting the dead. Um, and being able to highlight that and how to. to but, what extremes the living go to you're, to you're, disregard life is why that scene actually works. You're, ta you're yeah. talking about people making bad decisions. Uh, your, your, your situation is people who are emotional. They're making emotional decisions. These are people I know I love. They're still walking around. Are they dead or left? I don't know. I'm going to protect them. My, 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 in my scene, people know they're dead. They know they're dangerous. They know they can kill them very easily, but they walk up to them and throw pies in their face. What's the worst decision to be made in that movie? That's the dumbest thing. It makes those, it makes those characters look dumb. It, does, it doesn't really say anything. It's, you're trying to say it's like, oh, it's them disrespecting. It's them just being stupid and making bad decisions. It makes your, your human uh, antagonists look dumb. It looks, makes your, your, your undead antagonists uh, a lot more weak because they're just standing there taking it. This is a scene where you have a character death, a serious character death, and very emotional, interspersed with a pie fight. It's ridiculous. Time. All right, Rue, you have one minute to close when you start talking. The pie scene still holds up because it goes to the exaggerated form of how us living humans make those dumb decisions when we know better. We are the one making it hopeless because we believe we can 
uh, show all those that are other that they're lesser. So we're going to do dumb things in front of your face and you can't do anything about it. And the Piscene, the excess of that highlights the fact that us as the living are inherently more dangerous because we'll make those stupid decisions. When it comes to the apartment raid, the apartment raid doesn't work as well because you have those people who have planned this apartment to keep their dead away from the cops to the cops who are trying to kill the, the dead to try to make sure the living are still safe and the cops make stupid decisions and almost get themselves killed. The living make stupid decisions instead of safely trying to protect uh, and go after the cops. They go after the dead that they know are dead and get eaten themselves on top of the technical aspects, making that even more glaring. The apartment raid didn't do too much. Time. Pi raid did great. Kirk, you now have one minute to close your argument when you start talking. Rua, buy your pie fight argument up in that scene up to the part where the pie fight actually starts. The people come in, they think they're, they're overconfident, they got weapons, uh, they can take out the zombies, uh, but then they put down the weapons and start throwing pies and it turns into the cartoon and it's ridiculous. My fight, my your scene, the apartment scene is realistic. Like I said, it's people in a situation, they have no clue what's going on. Zombies have been walking around for about 24 hours now. They see someone they love, they're going to protect them. The cops want to kill them. I don't want to kill them. And again, like I said, this has been this holds up because it's been used in the most recent dead movies a couple years ago. It's been used in The Walking Dead. Um, my scene is ridiculous. It undercuts the weight of the character death. It indicates the weight of everything that came before. Um, and like I said, my scene is very precedent in the way it handles the attacks. Um, you know, in, in the way that the people. Um, you know, like I said, the zombies are, represent the other. They're the chickens coming home to roost. You put you, you put my scene in a movie today, people are going to talk about how relevant it is. You put Rue's scene in a movie today, it's going to get laughed out of theaters. Okay. All right. So uh, we'll bring in the judges if Cody is available. Okay. Does everyone have their vote? I do not. Yeah. I have mine. Just remember, I like you both very much. Uh, all right. Do I have to go first? You um, do. Shit. But, cool. <laughs> I'm going to write both of them down and erase one right there. <laughs> uh, that's what I was hoping for. Okay. Uh, I, don't think, I don't think Brian. Oh, I guess. Okay. All right. Go ahead, Cody. Okay. So I've said this numerous times. One, I, I fucking hate Romero now. Not that I think he's a bad director or whatever. I'm just tired of fucking hearing him debate at this point. It's been a thing. I just feel like there's somebody that's a master, master class at it. I've said it numerous times. I just think he's so educated on the matter. And he brings it in. I think Amaru, out of everybody that's debated against Romero, by far the best I've seen. By far. There's no one even close it was 51-49 down to the wire for me, but I think the closing just swung up for me a little bit. I had to go with Kirk on this one just for the sake. It was so close. I think the bullshit when – I think when Amaro like, gave him an out on saying, well, it's a charm and it's the indie, and you're like, that's just a minor stuff. If you would have tackled it more, because I think that's a bullshit out, like saying the technical stuff don't matter. That shit does matter just as much as it does today, but you let him have an out, and that ruined it a little bit for me, so – all right, Brian. But it was so good. Such a good debate. Uh, yeah, I had a hard time going as well. Um, I actually voted for Maru. Um, basically, I felt that both of them did a great job of explaining why the other person's scene 
was actually good and did hold up. So I had a hard time figuring out which one didn't hold up. Um, the, the problem with, with, for me was that, you know, I think that the dumb decisions made by people in Rue's scene were just as dumb back then as they're seen now. And the goofiness and stupidity of Kirk's scene was still just as stupid back then as it is now. So the other thing that swung me, uh, it, it, a very close tiebreaker, I had to think of something to break it for me, was uh, that Rue kind of talked about how, you know, in our, in our, you know, modern world, seeing things through a different light, you kind of take that scene differently and it doesn't make as much sense. All right, so it comes down to me on this one. Um, I agree with Cody. I think this was really, really close. Honestly, all of these have been really close tonight. Um, but <laughs> I'm going with Kirk. Um, I think, like Cody said, he just knows the topic so well. And I think that, like Brian said, both of them had convinced me about why the other scene was actually great and i think that kirk to me did the better job of talking about the absolute absurdity of his and where the movie was going up to that point and then having that and also saying just like how absolutely great amaru's scene was in the end so i went with kirk which means your winner by way of knockout <sighs> is kirk kolkowski uh we'll start real quick by talking with Amaru. Amaru, um, I don't think the score tonight reflects how well you debated. Like Cody said, no. um, we've done, this is the third of these Romero's fourth, I think maybe even that we've done now at this point. And uh, you absolutely crushed it. Um, how are you feeling? Um, I am a little mad. I didn't ask what the double rave scene was because I, I prepared for a completely different scene than what Kirk presented. And I was like, well, shit, I need to come up with some bullshit to, to try to at least sound confident in that first one. Uh, so as soon as he described it, I was like, well, well, I lost this point, but I'm going to try. Uh, and, and the fact that Wizarding World wasn't second, I was like, okay, uh, I, I, thought, I thought I could win Monsters Ball. I do really believe that that is trauma porn and I hated it. Um, and I, I thought if I can get it to the fourth, I could get that tie because uh, I, I feel very strong about that Wizarding World one. And I was thinking I could still Romero. I'm just mad I didn't ask about the double rave because once that happened, I was like, well, I'm in the hole already because I have the wrong seat. Lovely. <laughs> That's fair. Um, this does mean that obviously this was the finals. So uh, you made it to the finals though. Um, you have a great record in fan zone. Now, is there anybody that going forward you would like to play or maybe see uh, across the debate ring from you? Um, I, I, there are two people. I want Kirk back and I want Jacoby. That's, that's really it. So my, my goal is, is going back for Kirk and then uh, Jacoby in one way or the other, whoever takes that championship, it's those two period. But that's fair. Uh, we can probably make something like that happen. So uh, great job tonight. Great job in the tournament in general, uh, Rue. Uh, absolutely fantastic performance. Uh, we're going to move over to Kirk. Uh, Kirk, you've added another KO to the record. You are now eight and one with three KOs. Um, an absolutely dominant record. Um, how are you feeling about going to play for the title? I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to get Jacoby. Um, I know he. I know he wants me. Uh, I know J J walking away from the from the fan leagues. Uh, Jacoby's biggest uh, regret was never having beat me in anything. 
and no, he still gets a chance. So um, I, I got to keep that streak going. Awesome, awesome. <laughs> um, kid, are there any uh, sneak peeks that you want to give about the match, or any anything you want to say about? Uh... Um, it's going to be great. It's, I'm not I'm not going to give away any questions about giving you strategy, but it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I love Jacoby. Uh, Jacoby's another guy who can who, who knows his stuff and can BS. Uh, so that's a dangerous combination. Uh, but I do just want to say too that Amaru uh, played a fantastic uh, game. I've played a lot of great fighters. Uh, in this tournament, and no disrespect to them, but none of them kept me on my toes. But like Amaru, um, he came back uh, shot for shot. Everything I had, anything I had, what I, what I thought was going to be the kill blow, he was ready for it. He came back, and um, he he made me earn it. He made me earn it a lot. And even though it was uh, three nothing uh, overall in the score, um, it was a lot closer than that. So uh, congratulations to Rue, um, and I'll play him again anytime. It was a great fight. Awesome. All right. Well, uh, Kirk, we will see you at Mayhem at the Multiplex for uh, playing Jacoby Bancroft for the title. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Brian, final thoughts from you on the match. Uh, yeah, I mean, you kind of already said it all. And that, that every one of these points I thought was pretty close. The, the, the Friday 13th, actually, I thought was uh, was uh, the only one that was farther apart. And I thought it was in the other direction. So I guess I saw it differently than you guys. But uh uh, you know, it's I, I don't know how the order of, of things is, is randomly cho- chosen, but I think if he got Wizarding World first, tomorrow could have gotten up another point, possibly, because I know that's uh, one of his strong points. And that might have changed the momentum of the match and changed a subsequent point. Who knows? But but as it is, I mean, obviously, they're both made it this far for a reason, and uh, I'm excited to see him again. Yeah. And Cody, what about you? Yeah, I think uh, somebody that's debated a lot, I think that first question is so crucial um, overall. Uh because I've I I always like wanted that first question over any other question because I wanted the the first foot. But I'll tell you, Kirk is one of those players that I, I'm glad I retired. I'm glad I'm done with debate because shit, I don't want to play like any of these players in these tournaments anymore. I don't like I don't like talking to Kirk about like stuff he disagrees with like in Warzone and stuff because he makes my brain hurt there so just hearing him debate movies fuck that and I'm never going to watch Arrow because I don't think I need to at this point I've seen everything um, but Amaro yeah you come back I I would not want to play Amaro in his next match whoever he's playing if it's not one of those two have mercy on your soul because I think I think Amaro is <laughs> means what he says and he wants that title so um, and I've debated him in the YouTube comments so I can tell you that he he does not back down. That's true. Uh, well, that's going to do it for us for this fan zone finals. Uh, this has been a great tournament. So thank you to Cody, Brian, everyone who's judged along the way, everyone who's played along the way. Uh, it was the first time we did a huge tournament like this for debate. So uh, I'm really happy that it uh, turned out the way it did. Great tournament. So thank you to everybody. Uh, again, we'll see you guys in two weeks at Mayhem at the Multiplex for for the uh, title match. We'll see you then. Have a good night. Asshole! That's my bad. I was sending a tweet.